Good morning and welcome to the Marcus Today Breakfast Briefing. My name is Henry Jennings. It is Thursday, the 7th of July. And as usual, with all the information contained in this briefing, it is general advice only. So please do your own research, contact your own financial advisor regarding any of the thoughts, ideas or insights in this briefing. And if you need to, of course, you can always pause the PowerPoint slides here and read our disclaimer in full. And if you're listening on to a podcast, wherever you are in this wonderful world of ours, if you're on a tram, a bus, a train or in the car, then you can always click on to our website, marcustoday.com.au and read the disclaimer there. And if you're not yet a member of the Marcus Today community, we'd love to have you on board so you can sign up for a free trial there and see what else we have to offer. All right, well, we had an interesting, they're all interesting, let's face it, an interesting night in the US last night. The Dow up 70 points or 0.23%. S&P up 14 or 0.36%. And the NASDAQ up 40 points or 0.35%. So pretty much... All of the markets there, the big three, pretty much in line. 40 points for the NASDAQ, 11,362. We have the SPY futures up 35 points and the VIX easing back one point to 2.94% down to 27. As far as the US markets go last night, they were higher, but they were off their best, I have to say. We had the high of the Dow up 257 and a low of 173 points down. So uh, pretty much in the middle for diddle there in terms of the um, the Dow price rise at the end up 70 points. Uh, it was a day when the US market was once again trying to digest the news coming out of the Fed and trying to balance the risk of recession with the interest rate rises and the fact that we are seeing some inflationary signals starting to ease in terms of food prices, fuel prices, etc., and demand side falling away as well. So that is certainly helping sentiment to some extent that maybe the Fed won't need to go as hard as some had suggested. Uh, But we did see um, the Fed last night with some of their commentary. Um, Big concern now is that the Fed is tightening into a slowdown and the headlines from the June FOMC leaned hawkishly, but nothing very surprising there from the market (coughs) or from the Fed. It did guide to a 50 to 75 basis point rate hike in July, and it did highlight the willingness to adopt a more restrictive stance. But at the moment, the market was relatively happy with those comments, which didn't really deviate from anything they had said in the past. Over to commodities last night, we had Brent crude coming off again, 2.02% down, $2.08, $100.69. So this oil price has been infected by the recession fears, ratcheting back of global growth expectations. And of course, China undergoing more restrictive lockdowns yet again, mass testing, etc., which is certainly not helping the global growth story. WTI oil well below 100 bucks down, 98.53 down nearly a dollar or 0.97 percent and gold once again pushing down down $27.40 or 1.55 percent 17.3650 so that strength in the US dollar continuing to pressure the gold price iron ore down 1 percent or nigh on 1 percent down 1.09 dollars a dollar and nine cents 112.30 and the Aussie 67.80 but commodities last night I have to say looking a little brighter in places. Maybe we have seen the route, or at least the temporary uh, 
a temporary support level for some of the oil, gas and uh, resource companies. Anyway, we shall see. Copper was down 1.6. Nickel was down 3.7%. But we did see a gain in aluminium down up rather 1.4. Zinc up half a percent. Lead up 1.4. Although ton did fall 4.2%. In terms of mining stocks overseas, we had BHP down 0.8%. Rio pretty much unchanged. Freeport McMoran up 0.4. Alcoa up 1.3. Tech really having some struggles at the moment, down 8.7%. Anglo up 0.9%, Glencore up 2.1%, and Arbomile in the lithium space down just over 1% there. Here you can see the US market, the S&P 500, closing up that 0.36%. But really it's still uh, pretty quiet over there. Summer holidays coming off the July 4 holiday as well. Driving season in the US. Many traders have gone away. Volumes remain light and uh, things can get pushed and pulled all over the place but at the moment <coughs> that is showing a little bit of positivity although it did close off its highs in terms of major stories last night stock markets rise after the market digest data and all that fed speak we get so much fed speak and the churn shows no signs of abating that's amid uncertainty around inflation and likelihood of recession and those odds for a recession have surged to 38%. There are certainly some commentators that suggest the US is already in a recession in terms of the technical definition. Uh, that 38% has risen from around 0% just a few months ago. And US households now are drawing down savings. There was always that big hope that the savings built up, that buffer that US households had during COVID would weather the storm well. But it does look as if they're drawing down savings at the moment to counter that inflation and negative real wage growth. Food inflation fears ease with big declines in palm oil, wheat and corn. And logistic indicator of US supply chain pressures falls to its lowest level in two years. So things are looking a little bit better. All we need now is Biden to knock the tariffs from Chinese products on the head. And that would certainly help matters as well. And German factory orders unexpectedly rose in May. <coughs> Excuse me. Despite inflation surge and that Ukraine war, which continues and will continue, markets rapidly unwinding hawkish rate expectations as recession fears intensify. Even the IMF now is talking about a possible recession in 2023. That is six months away and anything could happen in six months as we have seen. Uh, the euro approaches parity with the US dollar as it drops to a 20-year low and the Fed is willing to accept recession risks in order to prevent sustained shift in inflation expectation. And the BOE, that's the Bank of England's Cunliffe, says central bank prepared to act forcefully to ensure inflation doesn't persist. It's a shame that someone doesn't act forcefully in removing Boris Johnson as prime minister. So, um, But that uh, political wrangling continues as Boris says that he will not go and more and more Tory MPs and the country want him to resign. US gas prices, petrol prices to you and I, have now dropped for a record 21st consecutive day. And recession worries continue to drive the copper price down 19-month lows. And the PBOC, the People's Bank of China, are draining liquidity as it shifts away from crisis mode. What to expect today in our market? Well, we do have that SPY Futures up around 35 points, so that is good. We're also seeing 
a little bit of bottoming in some of the resources at the moment, some of the commodities. So we could see a better day for resources generally. In the US, we had uh, the tech stocks doing well. Apple was up 1%, Meta up 1%, Google up 1.1%, Microsoft up one3 And the banks easing in the US with JP Morgan uh, down 0.6, Citigroup down 1%, Block down 2.6%. So we may see a little bit of money flow out of our banking sector, which has been doing quite well recently, and looking for some bargains in the resource sector. Of course, we have seen in recent days a big, big weight taken off the head of some of our second-line tech plays, which got whacked in June on that tax loss sell-down. So those have bounced back extraordinarily well. The likes of MP1 up 14% yesterday, and things going quite well in that sector for those that held their nerve after the uh, June 30 reset. So we could expect to see a little bit of buying creeping in to some of these resource stocks. Certainly don't expect the bloodbath that we saw yesterday across the board in the resource sector. Um, But of course, energy stocks probably still will remain under some pressure. Uh, Charles Swab's chief fixed income strategist, a lady by the name of Kathy Jones, said she sees the potential for lower US bond yields, perhaps as low as 2.5% which actually isn't that far away, given their 2.93% at the moment, having tumbled uh, from uh, well over 35 3.6% recently. Germany down to 1.2%. Australia down to 3.4%. So we are seeing these 10-year yields tumbling, which is a sign, unfortunately, that we have a recession on the horizon. That is what it's saying. As the yield curve goes inverse, where we get higher short-term rates and lower long-term rates. So it's not always a good sign for that 10-year yield to be uh, lower, but it does increase the valuation of growth stocks and high PE stocks from the discount cash flow models that many analysts use. The IMF said the outlook for the global economy had darkened significantly since April, and could not ru- and she could not rule out the possible global recession next year. Everyone's playing pin the tail on the donkey with when the recession comes. And Damstra, DTC. Sounds like private equity has had a look at this one after its tumble in recent years. This one has fallen a massive, massive amount, down around 85% in a year. Axel KKR apparently knocked on Damstra's door a little while ago, but the market volatility spooked them, and they walked off into the sunset with their Stetson and haven't come back. But uh, clearly, there are people casting an eye around some of these bombed-out stocks at the moment. And talking of bombed-out stocks, this is not one of them. Atlas Arterial, which is Toro's in France and Spain, and uh, the US, rather, is playing for time with due diligence with the current bid from IMF at around $8.10, the company's share price trading above that still at the moment. And BWX, lots of fun and games happening in BWX at the moment. Twiggy Forest has emerged with a 17% stake. Talk about dollar cost averaging as he has been buying this thing all the way down and recently participated in the capital raise and the stock promptly fell again. Uh, But there's certainly some fun and games happening there. I suggest you read the AFR for full details of that one. And just as we thought inflation was... uh, I guess not such a big problem. It is a problem, of course. Uh, Optus has lifted its mobile pricing plans by up to 10%. This is the last phone company to do it. It said price rises were required due to ongoing investment in expanding and upgrading services. And Ridley Corp is still in Grain Corp sites. Elders apparently also casting an eye over that one. But interesting to see what effect the floods in New South Wales 
will be having on agriculture at the moment of course floods mean that you can't plant stuff the ground being too wet does damage crops etc so it'll be interesting to see how that all pans out with the floods um, in New South Wales which do seem to be receding a little bit certainly uh, it has stopped raining but then it probably start again in a minute um, speculation that Blackmores as well could be a target for Nestle as a takeover target. Always uh, one that has been on the menu for some private equity and other players. And it is expected that maybe Nestle are interested in Blackmores. Question of the day today, where would you buy BHP? Uh, it's fallen a long, long way from its highs since, I guess, it did the deal uh, for uh, selling its oil and gas assets to Woodside. Looks like it may have escaped or dodged a bullet there with um, those assets now residing with Woodside. But of course, BHP shareholders, now Woodside shareholders. But where do you think is a good place to start buying BHP? Yesterday on the call on Ausbiz, I was talking with Carl Kapalinga about BHP. And I was suggesting that 35 bucks was a good place to start accumulating. Bearing in mind the massive, in theory, historical dividend that BHP paid last year. So uh, it's yielding well above 10% at the moment. So um, that's fully franked as well. So uh, where would you start buying BHP? Well, that's it from me. Thanks very much for listening. You can head on over to the Marcus Today Facebook discussion group. As always, we'd love to have your thoughts, ideas, and insights there. There's about 3,700-odd members there. Now, members helping members is the motto. So delighted to have all those people on board, of course. And if you're a podcaster and you love listening to podcasts, then there's the Marker Strategy podcast, which is our fly-on-the-wall look at our morning meeting. There's the On The Desk podcast where the team in Melbourne talk about all things financial. And my On The Couch podcast. And the most recent one is a chat with Adam Dawes about what he sees uh, going forward and where the market is at the moment. But I have recorded and edited yesterday. I'm hoping to get legal consent from the fund manager concerned. Uh, a very, very interesting podcast from Julian McCormack with Platinum Asset Management, which I think is required listening, if nothing else, to uh, scare the pants off you to some extent in terms of where the market is and what the outlook is for the market. Julian is a very bearish uh, person, and it's always good, I guess, to have the counter-arguments in the world. Uh, many commentators and most analysts are always bullish, and uh, always brokers are always bullish, saying buy everything. But um, this gentleman is on the other side of the coin, so it's good to have... Uh, the other side of that coin. But that's it from me today. Thanks very much for listening, and may the trading gods be with you. (laughs) 